0: He e purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o
1: she taught me uh, how to grow, of all things, petunias and daffodils and asters, mm. nā, uh, daisies and things like that. Uh, but most of all, she taught me how to grow strawberries and komokomo and kumara and uh, meter. and the uh, melons were so big I started to, to carry them on the horse
0: Manu Paul a name synonymous with Māori and Iwi affairs shares a bit about his childhood. Raised with his paternal grandmother she passed down invaluable knowledge about hua Māori organic gardening. It's a skill he would become very good at I'm here at his house only metres away from Ohope Beach in the Eastern Bay of Plenty to talk about Mara Kai. But our conversation goes much deeper than that. In fact, it's a corridor that links to Māori philosophy, as you'll hear. Growing kai underpinned by Matauranga Māori, or Māori Knowledge Systems. The signs within the environment, or taiao, that work as a guide. And Manu is well aware of these signs. He shares more about this, coming up. Eaku aku whakataitei fenua eaku whenua, e aku ihora ko tahuri mai ki te kaupapa o Teahikā, nei rā te mihi. This is Teahikā on RNZ National.
1: I mayo mai au e roto i a uh, murupara, uh, i te wā e whitu mato fire koutou, uh, ka rero o to mātou whaea. Uh, ka mātou, tamariki, te kau mātou. Tomato Fano, Fire Kina a kitata ha fire or taku fire uh, 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 a ka pare merito a eroto itepa ho to puto pull up a chipo maiori da kemuchu taku kuraka hokke uh, o kitaka anga a mideqaqqaurai uh, a kureida uh, ara hataika chima toku
0: Manu grew up in Murupara. When he was seven years old, his mum passed away, so he and his siblings were sent to live with other whānau. He considers himself lucky to have lived with his paternal grandmother, Ani McCauley, where he attended Waiohau School. When he began intermediate school, he was sent to live with his maternal grandmother, Pare Merito, in Poroporo. One of his after-school chores was to milk the cows. So you, you described somewhat of an idyllic childhood where no were ever present. What did that kind of grounding and upbringing put you in a, in a good stead or good good pathway ahead?
1: Well, first of all, living with my grandmother, my father's mother, she was half Scottish. Mm. Uh, her uh, father was a Scotsman, uh, John Macaulay, uh, Nō no Taupo, he used to drive the uh, tourist coach from Napier to Taupo and then over to Maketu. And when we grew up, we found out he had a family at each place. He stayed overnight. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're the whanau ngā Pākehā well, Maketu, Because oh. <laughs> he had a Pākehā wife there. Okay. And then, of course, he had... um a Māori wife at uh, uh, Taupo, and then he had another Māori wife in in Napier. (laughs) And so the the tourists used to get off the ship at Napier Mm. and they would get back on the ship at Mungitu. And they'd have that tourist uh, trail.
0: And reading the signs of the environment, or taiao was one way to know where to plant kai.
1: My father, I remember him, each year on our farm, he used to select a gully, and he said, "Ko nei te pai, I would say, hei hei, a raw kai ki coe ki runga te hoifo, ne, a nei ki te roloa o oh, te rarauhei, kau ki te coe te roloa te ki te roloa o te All right. The same. Uh, ah, hei, and more, more, the
0: Manu talks about his father, how he told him that the sign of good soil health was if the height of the bracken fern was the same as his horse. Well, that was a sign that it was good soil for planting. And
1: then
0: there was the growing of specific plants to help grow kai. You're saying that there was a deliberate planting of kai so that when one grew it was a
1: deliberate plant yeah. to shelter. Yeah. And oh, that's when you? I learned about companion planting. Yeah.
0: Companion planting? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure there's a kupu
1: for that. Yes. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was that grandmother, yeah? Yeah. And that queer of mine. I came down and she would say, Oh, kainita rao the few fiu, the kai, ne? And I said, oh. She'd look at me and she'd say, How yeah, high? Uh, you got to remember, she only spoke Māori, ne? Yeah. Both of my queer only spoke Māori. And I'll tell you this little story. There's a bus used to go from Murupara to Waiohau. Okay, another bus route cool, yep. Murupara to Waiohau. Uh, To Waiohau and into the town in Fagatane. Okay. Mm -hmm. And because my queer didn't know how to speak English, Mm -hmm. she used to give me the money to give to the bus driver, and I would get the change and I would shortchange her. (laughs) And, and she'd say, Koe no hiu ngonamoni. Ai, koe tō Back to
0: a story living in Poroporo with his maternal grandmother.
1: Anyway, when I got down to this square at Poroporo, uh, at Poroporo, she said, Hi, and I said, say, mātou maramataka kaita kāre te Michael, why the you learn and that's when i learned there's a maramataka for each area the
0: Maramataka is the Māori lunar calendar. It's a guide for good and not so good days for planting, fishing, harvesting, and collecting kai. Now there are different names of the moon phases that vary from iwi to iwi and region. Manu was raised on the Maramataka, but agrees that, of course, there are different times of planting for inland
1: and coastal iwi. When I went to my my relations down Omaio, yeah. Mm, the coast I, I, I realized that when they they used to take me fishing, yeah, and they say each bay had a It was different for each bay.
0: Each bay.
1: Each bay. It's Was quite different.
0: How did you retain all that information?
1: By mostly, doing... mostly because. Kai, ne? The Kai.
0: The planting of Kai.
1: Yeah. Could the The
0: prayers, the incantations, yes. yeah.
1: And it was the practice of seeking the blessings, ne? Mm-hmm. For the Fenua, for the Kai that you were planted put up. so that would be good growth. it became second nature, so it wasn't a matter of studying it, it became part of you. It seemed natural for me. Some people might think, "Well man, you must have did a lot of study, but it was just a natural phenomena for me to to do those things because there was a a methodology that started off with the prayers and so when we went to plant or we went hunting mekaraki or we went fishing mekara at tuta. what for? Number one, to keep you safe. Uh, Number two, to seek uh, the terrestrial blessings, the celestial blessings. To support us in getting a good bounty from what you're growing.
0: Because it was just a way of... Being and yeah. doing. Mm. And mm. so which atua Māori would be those atua that were most common or prevalent in your mahinga, kai? Korongo. Korongo.
1: Korongo, the god of peace. Ka tsi iroti te fare, So korongo te atua o te So like, peace reigns in the house,
0: on the day of my visit, he is gracious with his time. We have a break in the conversation, a cup of tea, and back into the corridor. Manu's career and work as a teacher, academic and leader was recognised in 2019 when he was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to Māori. But six years before this, in 2013, it was made public that Manu had been diagnosed with cancer. At the time of my visit, he looks frail, but he's in high spirits, keen to talk about the rongowa and veggies that surround his home. How has Marakai, and you actually have a... Oh, well, you're, you're, you're writing inside this particular book, which is called Te Mahi O Hua Parakore, uh, edited by Jessica Hutchins, so there's a particular piece that you've contributed to in here. Um, you call it Hua Māori.
1: Hi. Hua Māori is my term of Māori organics. If we look at the genesis of the word Māori, ne, when the parker came, they asked our uh, people, What are you? And they would say, I'm Nazi Manawa, not na- Nazi Awa. Pachia yeah. would say, But who are you? You know, what are you? And we would say, Ah, uh, Kotafio de I the you know. You, mm. they would give like, uh, responses like that, and then the parker suddenly realised, what do you call a natural thing? Ne? Mm. It's a Maori. Ne? Mm. So Maori kai is natural food. Maori wai is natural water. Ne? Mm.
0: Why Maori? Yeah. Why
1: Maori? Ne? All those sorts of things. So um, I thought, well, what is Māori organics in Tareo? Mm-hmm. It's the product being a natural product. No artificial fertilizers, <laughs> ne? no artificial uh, sprays. Ne? No heavy metal stuff to kill off things. And so the practice of being a natural grower of produce is what I call huamari.
0: From the mid-1990s, Manu was chair of the New Zealand Māori Council. With a busy career in juggling no life, taking what he learned from his upbringing, Manu was one of the first Māori organic farmers. He owned and operated a 20-acre organic kiwifruit orchard. Over our cup of tea, he talks about the days of travelling to Wellington to meet with politicians wearing a suit and tie, and then flying back to Fakatane, change into his orchard clothes – and head to the kiwifruit orchard from the airport. For him, it was his way to unwind. Tell me about the bounty of uh, hua Māori you have here.
1: Oh, that's a tutu in front of you there. Yeah? Tutu? Yeah, tutu. That's a kaponga. It's died. You know. All, all those things. They were, they were all here originally. So I just kept them and I planted the puhutu colours. Beautiful. So that's the first part of the planting. Because the marakai is Hekai ngā karu. hekai karu. Yeah. And part of the food we grow is what you can see. Or will feed your eyes and give you stress relief. Sitting under one of these trees, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your troubles
0: just float away.
1: Yeah. So... When you're doing a marakai, you need trees. Hai ho maru itamara, mara, to keep the mara safe from the winds and things like that. So if you notice, coming up, my daughter has put up a fence, wooden fence, but I've got all those trees in the front of my marakai mm. yeah, to, to stop that prevailing northeasterly to protect all my kai. First of all, Gukuma. Now I took some to my auntie. She was in the hospital, so I cooked some up and took some. She said to me, Oh, no, hope you all right oh got it. But I cooked them up for you auntie. No, they're no good manu. They're quite tasteless. And I said, I bet I... And she told me an interesting thing. This place is to supply kumara, and in our museum, just behind my house here is the bay, where the carts used to go out there and the horses would be up to their stomach in the water as they loaded the tugs up with the kumara from this land here. From
0: this land here.
1: Yeah, and they used to send them up to Auckland, and she said, yes, they used to grow beautiful, big kumara, but they were tasteless.
0: The bigger they are, the more tasteless they are? No, no.
1: What was lacking in this land was potassium. put the potassium. If you want beautiful roses you have gotta make sure they got ashes. From ashes you get potash, from potash you get potassium. So if you go and have a look at my roses my wife's roses now you can still see the ashes I put there in the winter. Uh, I I I now go what have I got down there? If I start with the rock I, I got bananas. Avocados, figs, aporo, oranges, grapefruit, uh, limes, tangelos, persimmons. So we've got all those growing in amongst there. Then we've got, gwenda has got her little rose garden. Karepeite ne wahimote roses, ne? Roses need a cold snap. Really cold snap. Now you go up to a place like Murupara and Kaingaroa and Ruatahuna, where the frost never rises in the winter. <laughs> yeah, they have they grow beautiful roses. And in the South Island, that's why they shifted the Elyssesh flower show down there, because you get better roses than you do up in Auckland, where it's warm.
0: hekai Kayakuringa. The whakataua or proverbial saying, can pretty much sum up this kōrero. There is kai at the end of my hands. In this case, it can be interpreted to mean literally my hands have produced this food. But it can also be about self-determination, sustainability and
1: resilience. So we've got rhubarb, pumpkin, komokomo, komo kūmara, beans, beetroot, Lettuce, tomato, peppers. Oh, this week I'll be putting in snow peas and broad beans oh. for the winter and starting the cauliflower and, and all the brassicas. I've got cucumbers. They're a passion fruit. Yeah. So they're all growing, all higgly-piggly everywhere. Oh, and I've got... Uh,
0: uh, oh, I think what's on? Uh, talking.
1: chrysanthemums growing with the tomatoes. Yeah?
0: Companion gardening. Yeah. For many years, Manu operated the organic kiwi fruit orchard, but setting it up was complex. You have to clean the ground for three years. Here, he explains that process.
1: What does cleaning the ground mean? Well, first of all, you stop all artificial. Fertilizers, sprays, etc. Well, in this day of uh, funguses growing and bacteria flooding everywhere and pandemics and all that sort of it's thing, fine, development land. Yes. And, yep. Well, well how, how do you, how would you keep the land clear? You have to grow, uh, till the land, and then you plant what people call wheat, puha, chicory. Now, chicory has the capacity, it has a root of about two metres. It goes down and it brings up all the minerals and the elements from two metres down and brings it to the top. And then you've got things like weeds, that provide the nitrogen, bring up natural nitrogen, that grow natural nitrogen, so you plant those. And you plant your crops. In the organic system, when you register to become organic, they come and test the land, see if there's any heavy metals and everything else in that, and what sort of poisons are in there. And the produce you get in the first year, we were growing kiwi fruit, organic kiwi fruit orchard,
0: as a Hua Māori organic farmer, Manu's practices were underpinned by his own philosophies and the interaction between the taiao, the natural environment, birds, and animals. To keep the root disease, malaria at bay, he kept pigs in the orchard, and birds helped out by eating pests.
1: boar, and I put it across a Captain Cooker sow. I put the big French red boar across. T- a durock across it. Why did I do that? They all got good noses. The Captain Cooker can smell, the Kunikuni can smell.
0: Did you just say Captain Cooker? Oh, is that the name the wild pig. Oh, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And what I ended up with was this long pig, low, a lot of meat from the Duroc, and good covering of fat. And then I let them loose in the orchard. The egg fella didn't like my pigs in the orchard.
0: Who's the egg fella?
1: The Department of Agriculture Yeah. The officer, you know, who was supervising the organic thing. I said, no, no, it's natural. Oh, okay. And I thought I'd fix them up one day. My pigs rooted in a straight line. I rang them up. Yeah, hello, mate. What's wrong? Oh, my pigs. You better come and have a look. I said, look, there's a big paddock, but they're only rooting in the straight line. Why is that? And he couldn't work it out. Mm. Yeah? Mm. I went to the next door neighbour, and I said, straight line. Oh, that's where the hedge was. And the roots were still there, and the malaria was there. And the pigs found it. Rooted it up, no more. Now, kiwi fruit is a funny plant. It doesn't get its, its nutrients from the bottom of the ground. It feeds from the top. And so the conventional way of treating it was to jet steam into the ground to kill it. And it cost about $64 per plant to do that. What did Manu pulled do? Well, <laughs> he what came home from do? a party one night, <laughs> or early one morning, <laughs> about 4 o'clock, and decided, oh, too late to go home. i will just go to the orchard and get ready for work for the day. And I was walking through the orchard, and I see these cobwebs from the shoulder belts. Looked at them. Then I looked at the kiwifruit, and on the outside, the stems of the kiwifruit were very small. Until about three rows in, then it grew. And I followed these webs, and I found the bug. No? put it in a box. took it to the testing station that real Kuro at Topuki it was.
0: Yeah.
1: And they said, oh, that's the willow bug. And it gets into the kiwi fruit, lays its eggs there, and it, the kiwi fruit rots from the inside because they eat everything. Yeah? Gosh. And they use a heavy spray for that, conventionally. Have to kill that. Hey, Tom, this cobweb came off the willows, you know, the shelter belts. Come on my get the way out of the in away. You gotta have a home. Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta have a home. And then, I thought if you take the home away, you don't get the bug. I spent thirty thousand dollars pulling all the getting the big machines in to kill all the and crunch up all the, the willows and no more no more bunk.
0: manu is part of a generation of gardeners here he is at 81 years old still growing kai and still passionate about it i've also learned he has a keen sense of humor
1: the passion food I got the passion fruit. Uh, pai, I, I, I hau hea, hau, he, passion fruit, mm. ne? A au, a, ne? Ne? he pai te te tū o Oh,
0: Nē, pera tio.
1: Oh, tio. <laughs> Ai, he pono tērā. He ya tērā kupu o te aphrodisiac.
0: <laughs> Passion fruit tāne ma. Ai,
1: ai. Kau wāre wāre me kāinga hea tēnā a nā. Kai kona e pahu mai ana. Anai <laughs> <laughs> te kōrero o te wākāinga, he pukinga wāia he huiwinga tangata. He huiwinga tangata he pūringa a Kaikuni, wa kai kone purino koore no tatawa ite ne wa kai ya mota huta nga uta hora ai mota huta nga uta no ha nga uta kaiga no reira kaite
0: Te na koe e te rangatira Manu Paul. No Ngati Manawa, Ngati Awā, Ngati Hokopū. Naa te mihi mai o hakia koe. Naa wanoi ta ko hammaio kōrilo o te aupup kai. Hua Māori. That was recorded at the home of Manu Paul earlier this year. Now for photos of my visit and to hear this conversation again head to rnz.co.nz/ Te or subscribe and download the podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Kua motu tātātou hōtaka mō wiki, me tū hono mai, wiki e tū mai nei. Tēnā tato katoa.